welcome. It's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. I think we'd all like to learn Hebrew, wouldn't we? Maybe to learn the Bible just a little bit better in its native language, certainly the Old Testament. And tonight we have two special guests, Dr. Philip Brown and Dr. Brian Smith. They are the contributors to a Reader's Hebrew Bible. Find out the benefits of why we should learn Hebrew. And uh, let's welcome to the program uh, Dr. Brown and Dr. Smith. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Delighted to be with you. Thank you for having me, Michael. It's great to be on. Gentlemen, the pleasure is all ours. We're looking forward to hearing about uh, learning more about the benefits of Hebrew and certainly this beautiful contribution that both of you have made to a reader's Hebrew Bible. Dr. Smith, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background and, most importantly, who is this reader's Hebrew Bible for? Well, if you can read a sentence of Hebrew, this is for you. My background is in uh, seminary education. Uh, I taught Greek for a good while and uh, some Hebrew, and I certainly took a lot of Hebrew classes while I was pursuing a Ph.D. in Old Testament interpretation. One of the things that I discovered in both teaching and as a student in seminary is that uh, the vast majority of people who take the biblical languages, even if they're A students, over the next five years they lose most of uh, what they learned. And so I would say anyone who's had a year of Hebrew um, can use the Reader's Hebrew Bible, and he can read some from it every day. And uh, if you read some from your Hebrew Bible every day, you'll never lose that, that Hebrew knowledge. In fact, you'll advance. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand that. Immersion is really the key in keeping on with it. And I saw that firsthand, too, going to seminary, that uh, people would drop out when it comes to Hebrew after uh, taking the class. So now, Dr. Brown, I want to ask you, how is this Reader's Hebrew Bible helpful to people? And certainly for you, why put something like this together? What was your inspiration? I like to and have for probably 20, 25 years read through Proverbs a chapter a day, and I wanted to do that in Hebrew. And I was very frustrated as I tried to use my Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia, which is the standard uh, scholarly critical Hebrew text, when I was running into five or six words in a single verse that I didn't know, having to look them up, that slows down the devotional use of the text significantly. And I wanted to not have to have the uh, Armstrong, Busby, and Cars second volume where you basically have to keep one volume open with your right hand, your Hebrew Bible open with your left hand, and keep your fingers running between the two to be able to read them. I wanted it all on the same page. So that was one of the key motivations for... Uh, developing this book. Dr. Smith, so I want to ask you, how does this really kind of hit home as far as you growing in Hebrew and and all the research that you did uh, for a Reader's Hebrew Bible? How does it personally affect you? Well, I had done a lot of reading in the Hebrew Bible in the course of my training, but one of the things that I found happened after I finished my PhD was I got busy. We started having kids. We now have six kids. And I got busy with ministry obligations. And I just wasn't reading my Hebrew Bible that much. I noticed that when I would go back, you know, like if I was preparing a sermon on the Psalms or something like that, when I would go back to the Hebrew Bible and just start plowing through to make sure that I knew what was going on in the original language before I started committing myself in public to interpretation, I could feel that a lot of my skill in Hebrew had slipped away. And, um, Anyway, around that time, Philip started talking about the importance of this project. And then I started working with him and glossing. I actually, uh, the first thing that I did was Genesis. And slowly but surely, I began to feel that skill come back to me. And it was so, so refreshing. 
you're reading the Bible in the original language, it's not like you're reading a different book than what you would read in English. Um, it is the same book, and the message is the same. But it's like watching a film in color instead of watching it in black and white. You're, you're seeing emphases that you would just miss if you were only looking at your English Bible. Uh, you're seeing connections, repetition from one part of a passage to another that is deliberate, that you just don't see when you're reading it in black and white, when you're reading it with an English Bible. And the pleasure of all that and the richness of it uh, came back to me as I was working on this project. Dr. Brown, is that typical of a lot of the responses that you may receive from people, especially seminary students? Well, you know, Brian's comment is uh, typical of the kind of comment that we would see that uh, I've been to grad schools, done a lot of work with Hebrew, but if you don't use it, you lose it, and it's a, a crying shame to have something you've poured money and sweat and, in some cases, tears into to just kind of fade away. As people have engaged with the text in this format, the psychological barrier to reading the text devotionally, theologically, as well as exegetically, has been significantly lowered. I know even my modern Hebrew a tutor, who I took Hebrew from Levon Stifler in, in Texas, uh, she tutored me 7th and ninth grades in modern Hebrew, though I'm not fluent, and she is. She appreciated the Reader's Hebrew Bible because there's so many vocabulary words in the Hebrew Bible that don't have currency in modern Hebrew. So those are some examples of the kinds of responses I've gotten. Dr. Brown, going on Amazon.com and looking at people's comments about a Reader's Hebrew Bible, many have said it's one of the nicest-looking Hebrew Bibles that they've ever seen. Well, that's very kind of them. I... Uh, I remember early in the project, I sent uh, some proofs of a page to a professional typesetter in Israel who uh, was kind enough to point out to me how ignorant I was about typesetting Hebrew, gave me some very helpful tips. The quality of the layout was in part due to his kindness and also to Michael Bouchel, who's the programmer and owner of BibleWorks, who developed the font that is used in the a Reader's Hebrew Bible. Dr. Smith, do you feel that Judaism has an advantage as far as knowing all the different clues that are found in the Hebrew Scriptures to where Jesus might be? It seems that if all people would know more about, uh, about Jesus, it would be the Jewish people. How do you explain that in Judaism? Judaism is uh, a religion that is rich with symbolism and with history and with tradition. But without Jesus of Nazareth, it is a religion that really cannot make sense of itself. And I think that that is more obvious in, in Hebrew. Um, when you read through Leviticus, when you read through Exodus, and you've got all of these instructions about how the sacrifices are to work and about how the tabernacle is to work, it, it just is very clear that God expects sinful mankind to get right with him through a mediator. You cannot, uh, as a sinful human being, come directly into God's presence unless someone pleads your case before a righteous and, and holy God. And that's all there in Leviticus. That's all there in Exodus. And it's especially there in the Hebrew wording of these things. But Judaism, it doesn't have that mediator. It has the symbols 
of the mediatorial work of someone who's coming, but it, it does not have the reality that stands behind uh, those symbols. You, you've got to have Jesus of Nazareth for the circle to get closed. That's presented in the Hebrew Bible. Amen. Very well said. So given all that, what are the advantages to learning the Hebrew language? Um, it's important to learn Hebrew because this is the language in which three-quarters of our Bible was written. And this is also the language that, uh, the form of it, is uh, the language that Jesus uh, grew up speaking. And uh, when Jesus went to the synagogue every day, he wasn't being taught from the Greek New Testament. It hadn't happened yet. Uh, he was being taught from the scrolls of the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, and his worldview and how he thought about things and how he thought about God was all shaped by what Moses said and what Solomon wrote and what Ezra wrote. And if you want to think like Jesus, <laughs> a great way to move in that direction is to have the kind of shaping uh, that he had in, in his growing up years. Dr. Brown, what are your thoughts? Uh, careful attention to the Hebrew text illumines the values that were significant within the context of ancient Israel. And if you begin to internalize those values and think, look at life through that lens, then I think that you are looking at the world at least with a closer approximation to uh, an ancient Jewish understanding. Yes, and those are the things that can enlighten, I think, our love and understanding of the Scriptures and certainly make the Old Testament come to life and make it a little more interesting for people, I'm sure. So let me ask you, as far as really learning quickly, is flashcards the answer, or how do we do this? Flashcards are a starting point. Obviously, we have to know what the words mean when we see them. On the other hand, studies in natural language acquisition show that people tend to retain far longer and far better words that they have learned not through a flashcard method, but through picture-sound associations, often called communicative input. The way we learned our native English language, uh, we heard it around us, we saw it used, we said ma, we said daddy, we saw ball, and eventually those words became part of the framework of our sound sight association model in our head. So I would encourage students as much as possible to look for ways to facilitate communicative learning, not simply rote memorization. Here's something, uh, here's something else. If you, if you can read a passage in the original language, it forces you to slow down and really think while you're reading. And for many of us who are used to reading the Bible in our native tongue, in this case English, you know, you come to a passage that you've read in English 50 times. It's hard to read through that passage slow enough to read it again for the first time, if you will. But if you pull out your Reader's Hebrew Bible, even if you've read it a number of times in Hebrew, because it's not your first language, you have to take it slow, and you end up seeing things that have always been there, but you just didn't catch it because you weren't being careful enough in your native tongue. Now, I've heard there's a lot of play on words also in knowing the Hebrew Scriptures, and that makes it a little bit more interesting, too. Yes, and I, I should say that you do get a lot of word plays in uh, the Hebrew Bible that's easy to miss. Uh, here's, here's an example. In our glossing, we give the word, 
And then right after that, we give the Brown Driver Briggs lexicon definition. And then right after that, we give the Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament definition. The, the Brown Driver and Briggs is the standard lexicon from the early part of the 20th century. The Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament is the standard lexicon for the current day, latter half of the 20th century and then the current day. And if we felt that neither one of those really got what this word meant in context, then we would insert a third one, and we would clearly label it in the, the footnote at the bottom of the page where it came from, whether it was a commentary from the New American Commentary series or from some other standard source. Oh my goodness, that's quite an undertaking. And Dr. Brown, what's your recollection of all the work that went into this, uh, this beautiful Bible here, Reader's Hebrew Bible? In order for this volume to be produced, what we did is we took the Westminster Leningrad Codex, which is an electronic version of a Hebrew manuscript that dates to around 1009 A.D., and wedded that to a database so that every word that occurs a hundred times or less could be tagged with the meanings that are provided for that word in two of the major lexicons, Halot, which is the abbreviation for the Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament, and uh, BDB, the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon. I also occasionally use uh, Halliday's, which is an English translation of a German lexicon. Once that database was created, that took about two years between Brian Smith and myself, then I started producing some Microsoft Word versions of what you see on the page of the Reader's Hebrew Bible as proofing, and I farmed that out to a large number of friends who I had known through graduate school and elsewhere and asked them to help me make sure that the glosses that I had provided at the bottom of the page actually made sense in the context. And once I got back all of that information, then we did the final run and sent that into uh, an Adobe PageMaker program to do the final layout because Zondervan had told me that the only way they could do the project is if I provided them with a printer-ready copy. So everything from the creation all the way to the press-ready version was in my lap to make sure that that happened before handing it off to them. So that kind of gives you a background about what went behind the project before you actually open it up and look at it on the page. You get a lot of people that say that the best way to learn a language is to go right to Israel, certainly if you're going to learn Hebrew. And so let's uh, ask uh, Dr. Smith the question, if, uh, have you ever been to Israel? And, and what are some of the advantages that you got uh, from learning Hebrew that way? And, and certainly, uh, what would you recommend to our audience? Uh, yes, I went to Israel uh, back in 1998. So it was before we worked on this project. And, oh yeah, it was a thrill. Uh, if, if you learn Hebrew, please go to Israel. There's a bunch of reasons to go to Israel, but it is great to be in a land where, you know, even the stop signs are in Hebrew and everything's in Hebrew. You, you do drive much more slowly because you're trying to read all of these signs, and that can be dangerous, to be sure. Um, and, of course, it gives you a chance to try out your Hebrew on people in Israel. Uh, you find right away that some people love to listen to you, try to cobble together a sentence in Hebrew, and some just look at you like, hey, I know English better than you will ever know Hebrew, so can we just talk English here? <laughs> you got to go to Israel. That's what everybody says, and I sure would like to be one of those people testing out my Hebrew there. And uh, the Holy Land, 
Dr. Brown, you got a compilation here, at least I have the review, of the Hebrew and Greek Bible. It's a reader's Hebrew and Greek Bible. What kind of words of encouragement would you give our audience? I would encourage people, this is a great way to learn to read Greek and Hebrew, and if you want to get technical, well, go on and buy your technical text. This is not what these uh, editions are for. This is to facilitate reading. I think it does a great job. Well, there you have it. You certainly made a lot of people happy who love Hebrew, and myself included. And if you love Greek, you can get both in one compilation. Well, thanks for being on the program, Dr. Brian Smith and Dr. Philip Brown. Uh, May God bless you both. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. God bless you.